0: Howdy and welcome to the 10 week Bible study. This is week five, day one of our study of Isaiah. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about Isaiah 14, 1 through 17. Welcome back to the 10 week Bible study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and before we get started, I want to encourage you one more time to read the first half of the book of Isaiah. 10 times in these 10 weeks. We got five weeks left or six if you're counting this one. So you can squeeze in six more times to read the first half of Isaiah. It really will transform the way that you look at God's word. With that, let's go ahead and pray before we start today. Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us. God, speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. we we'll to be reading today from the NIV. This is Isaiah 14, starting in verse 1. The Lord will have compassion on Jacob. Once again, he will choose Israel and will settle them in their own land. Foreigners will join them and unite with the descendants of Jacob. Nations nations will take them and bring them to their own place. And Israel will take possession of the nations and make them male and female servants of the Lord's land. They will make captives of their captors and rule over their oppressors. I want to pause right there. Isaiah is saying something <clears throat> probably that was uh, quite disturbing. You know, Isaiah was martyred for all of his prophecies, obviously by the before after he he got done with with all that we have recorded. But uh, this is probably one of those that was particularly offensive because. Isaiah's prophet saying, Hey, the Lord will have compassion on Jacob and once again choose Israel, saying, Hey, it's almost like for a period of time, the Lord's like, Bah, I'm not choosing you anymore. And that's not really what happened. But but there's this, this sense of the Lord has uh, abandoned us when they get taken off to Assyria and Babylon. And so there's this idea that the Lord has rejected us for this period of time, but now he's bringing us back. And so. Isaiah is saying, hey, the Lord's going to have compassion on you and resettle you in your own land. Isaiah is prophesying this while Israel is living in their own land as a sovereign nation, right? So we're looking back in in the history of Israel uh, from the time of the judges through the time of David. They struggled to conquer all of the land that was promised to them. David conquers all of the land promised to the, the children of Israel, to Moses, and then holds that during the reign of David and during the reign of Solomon. Then they get split up. And then for the rest of the next few hundred years, up until this point, Israel struggles to maintain that land. And there's all of these kind of back and forth with the surrounding nations. In chapter 15, we're going to look in 16, we're going to look at Moab. Which was a nation which the Israelites were promised this land, but they couldn't ever dislodge the Moabites. And actually, David's line is partially descended from the Moabites. And so there's this difficulty with controlling all of the land that was promised to them. And but we look back in that history and they did conquer. All of these nations during David and Solomon, and they did have foreigners essentially as uh, servants and and, and slaves, if you will. And they brought in all of this money from all of the land. You can read in the book of Kings about how much money Solomon was paid as tribute from all of the the conquered nations around him. It was a substantial amount of gold. And so Isaiah here is prophesying, hey, that's going to happen again. When the Lord resettles you in this land and everyone, you know, paying attention, right? There, I imagine Isaiah is getting up on a soapbox and prophesying on a street corner. I don't know that that's probably not actually what really happened, but just picture in your mind, Isaiah is getting up and prophesying on a street corner on a soapbox. And he says, Hey, the Lord is going to have compassion on you and he's going to resettle you in this land. And everyone's like, Oh, cool. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean resettle? Go go back, Isaiah. What 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 do you mean resettle? Right. This is this is a shocking statement that he starts this whole chapter out with because it's already supposing, presuming that this captivity is going to happen. That's for Israel and for Judah. Let's continue on. <clears throat> Verse three. On the day the Lord gives you reliefs from your suffering and turmoil. And from the harsh forced uh, labor forced on you, you will take up this taunt against the king of Babylon. Pausing there again, it's kind of like, wait, wait a second, why would we taunt Babylon again? This is over a hundred years, over a hundred years before the king of Babylon is going to conquer Israel, or, or uh, excuse me, not a hundred, like seventy years. So it's like seventy years before Babylon is going to conquer is the Israel and Judah specifically is who he's talking to. And, and so it's like, wait a second, we're, we're going to have harsh labor forced on us. And then we're going to taunt the King of Babylon. What are you talking about? Isaiah, right? All he's prophesying all of this as if it's already happened. And now they're being brought back. This is crazy. Continue on in verse four, how the oppressor has come to an end, how his fury has ended verse five. The Lord has broken the rod of the wicked, the scepter of the rulers, which in anger struck down peoples with unceasing blows, and in fury subdued nations with relentless aggression. All the lands are at rest and at peace. They break into singing. Even the junipers and cedars of Lebanon gloat over you and say, Now that you have been laid low, no one comes to cut us down. So we know that when they return, they can actually sing this taunt over the king of Babylon because we know it's the Persian king Cyrus that says, hey, you can start to go back. And that's almost immediately after conquering the king of Babylon. And so Babylon falls literally in one day to the Persians. And then not long after that, the Persian king says, you can all start going back to Jerusalem. Not only that, I'll pay for you to rebuild the temple and the walls of the city of Jerusalem. And and sends them back, and so it really is they can they can sing this taunt over the king of Babylon because he does he's been brought low very very quickly. Verse nine, the realm of the dead below is all astir to meet you at your coming. It rouses the spirits of the departed to greet you. I mean, this is this is a morbid taunt, right? This is this almost you know, when you think about the Lord is saying, Hey, these are the words that you're going to be saying over the King of Babylon, right? He's saying, you know, the the dead are going to rise to meet you at your coming is saying you're going to die. You're going to die. And then everyone's going to gloat over your death. This is really morbid. And I mean, almost sick in some ways, but the Lord is prophesying. This is how it's going to be. So just understand when Babylon subdues you, there's going to be a positive outcome of this, but it's going to take some some time. And again, I imagine everyone who's hearing this or reading this for the first time from Isaiah is like, hold up. Hold up. Babylon hasn't ba- why would Babylon conquer us? Babylon's nothing at, at this point. Babylon's nothing. The Assyrians are the ones running everything. Babylon's nothing at this point. And Isaiah's like, you know, I the Lord's a few steps ahead of you, right? Babylon's going to conquer Syria, and then Babylon's going to conquer you, and then the Persians are going to conquer Babylon, and then God's going to send you back. But there's a whole bunch of steps in here, and everyone's like, this is not making any sense, Isaiah. You're out of your mind. Continuing on. <clears throat> it rouses the spirits of the departed to greet you. All those who were leaders in the world— It makes them rise from their thrones, all those who are kings over the nations. They will respond. They will say to you, You also have become weak as we are. You have become like us. All your pomp has been brought down to the grave, along with the noise of your harps. Maggots are spread out beneath you and worms cover you. Right? Again, we're talking about the death of the king of Babylon. And everyone, (laughs) they're singing this taunt. Over the king of Babylon saying all of the dead kings that you possessed, all the people that you put to death and all the people you conquered, they're like, Hey, you're with us now, buddy. You're no different from all of us. You've been conquered. And, and here we all are together. Verse 12, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn, you've been cast down to earth. You who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. <clears throat> now, this is specifically talking about the last king of Babylon right and this is the king that we know in the in the book of daniel uh there's this prophecy or you know the the guy sees the handwriting on the wall he's brought out all of the gold chalices and all of these things from the temple in jerusalem that his uh grandfather uncle had had conquered right and he's he's bringing all of this out and drinking getting drunk with all of, of this wine, drinking from the sacred items from the temple. And this disembodied hand appears on the wall, starts writing and he can't understand it. And so they call for Daniel and Daniel comes in and he's like, I'll make you a ruler in this nation again, if you tell me what this says. And he's like, I want nothing to do with you, dude, but it says your kingdom is weighed and found one thing. And tonight, this very night, you're going to, you're done. And sure enough, they're all drunk and the Persians come in and, and literally in almost a a Trojan horse kind of victory, they sneak in under the walls, open the gates, flood in and, and kill the King of Babylon, take over all of this happens. And so this, this guy who has taken all the sacred articles out of the temple, he's saying, let's give, give toasts, Let's praise the gods of gold and silver and all of these precious metals Instead of the, the God of heaven who has given all of these things. And so he's, he's essentially exalting himself above everything else. And in, in one moment, Babylon falls to the Persians. Literally in almost one moment, Babylon falls to the Persians. It's one of the most dramatic endings of an empire in human history when Babylon falls in, in Daniel's day. The other thing that's going on here, and and many people look at this passage and this passage, it's almost like there's this dual meaning here. And it's this similar story to Satan's fall is that Satan was this was was one of the archangels created by God and became haughty and became proud and wanted to be like God, wanted to be God and tried to assert that authority. And God rejected him and cast him out of of heaven in the way that the you know Michael and Gabriel and the other archangels experience before the throne of the Lord. And so, a lot of people look at this and say this is also kind of an allusion to Satan. And and it, you can look at this and say, no, this is really just about the King of Babylon. But the Lord is really good at this; like He plays five-dimensional chess, right? He sees all of these different things going on. When you're reading something like this, this can definitely have that dual meaning if that's what the Lord's doing with it. So I just wanted to throw that in there. This is one of the passages that people use to say, well, this is this is kind of an allusion to Satan as well. Verse 16. Those who see you stare at you. They ponder your fate. Is this the man who shook the earth and made kingdoms tremble. The man who made the world a wilderness, who overthrew its cities and would not let his captives go home. So again, I want to just point out just how remarkable this prophecy is, right? This is before Nebuchadnezzar has risen and overtaken Assyria. This is before any of that has happened. Isaiah is, and and I'm, I'm trying to like, do the time the timelines here are very difficult and not everyone always agrees on them. But Isaiah is almost certainly dead before Nebuchadnezzar has ascended and and conquered the Assyrian kingdom. And so he's prophesying about things that are past his lifetime as if they're already happened, and he's also already prophesying about the demise of the Babylonian Empire. Which is, in the grand scheme of things, very short, very, very short. A Syrian Empire lasts really not that long itself either. But the Babylonian Empire is is not even really two generations of rulers. There's Nebuchadnezzar, and and then there's a a couple of like three other rulers that are very short periods of time before the Persians take them over. But in that short period of time, there is just a amazing conquering rulership wealth. There's just an amazing number of things going on during Nebuchadnezzar's days. And then during the the rest of the uh, short-lived neo-Babylonian empire is what most secular scholars refer to it as what, what Isaiah is referring to here. And so this is just this, this, I think, amazing prophecy that Isaiah is, is speaking about something that is going to happen and then speaking about the thing that's going to happen after that happens. There's there's just a lot going on here. I find it yeah, truly remarkable. For the 10-week Bible study, I'm your host Darren Hibbs and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for watching the 10-week Bible study. If you've enjoyed this, would you consider doing that whole like and subscribe and bell thing you're always hearing people talk about? It really helps other people find out about the show and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's word. Thank you.